0: Listener Production.
1: So three murderers, including a Malaysian hitman, along with a number of sex offenders, are among dozens of asylum seekers who've been released into the community following a landmark High Court ruling that made it unlawful to keep asylum seekers in detention indefinitely. So now there's big concern that those dangerous people have been released into the community. Just
2: because individuals are non-citizens should not put them in a separate category. Everyone should be treated the same way. If they're a threat, use the criminal justice system to control how how they're looked after.
1: Yeah, so that's in our briefing. We'll learn how this happened and what will happen next. First, here are today's headlines with Antoinette Latouf. It is Wednesday, the 15th of November.
0: And on that same subject, the Albanese government has been under fire in Parliament over the release of these asylum seekers with a criminal record. The people release have been offered financial support, accommodation and health care. And here's the shadow immigration minister challenging the immigration minister in question time yesterday.
2: With 175,000 Australians on a housing waiting list, can the minister confirm how many hardcore criminals have jumped the queue? Our concern is to maintain community safety. A critical element of that, in some cases, is having some control over where an individual lives.
0: The government has said it's doing everything it can to keep the community safe. Some will have to report to authorities daily. They say they'll be keeping a track of addresses and in some cases, even social media accounts.
1: Yeah, look, hopefully they don't commit any crimes, but I don't know if if there's much the government can do here. There's not really any laws they can enact to change anything. So some of these people are, as you just discussed, they're under control orders and hopefully that's enough to monitor them.
0: At this stage, it's unclear if people have served times for their crimes um, or whether they fled after committing crimes, but it sounds like there are going to be ways to monitor their movements and, and where they live.
1: Yeah, we'll find out more in our briefing. Israeli authorities have released a video which they say shows Hamas has been stockpiling weapons and holding hostages under a children's hospital in Gaza. So in the video, the Israeli Defence Force spokesperson shows a pile of guns and explosives in a basement, which they claim is under the hospital. There's also um, images of a chair with a rope and clothing next to it, which they claim is evidence of holding hostages. And Israel also says that one of their soldiers held captive has been killed.
0: Meanwhile, US President Joe Biden says he's confident they'll soon free all hostages, and he sent a message to them and their families.
1: I've been talking with the people involved every single day. I believe it's going to happen, but I don't want to get into detail. What's your message for the families? Hang in there, we're coming.
0: Yeah, after a month in captivity, no doubt the families of hostages are incredibly stressed out and... I dare say some would be losing hope and it's. I think it's really important to reiterate that no journalists or verification experts have been able to verify when or where that video was taken that the IDF claims was under a hospital and what happens in and around hospitals has become a really... Emotive and distressing part of this violence. Like what's been very distressing this week is the images released of dozens of premature babies outside of incubators and Palestinian doctors or international doctors working in Gaza crying, holding press conferences, pleading for attacks to stop and supply so they can do their life-saving work you know, irrespective of what's being alleged to be there. Um, and this really re- reiterates the need for independent journalists to be on the ground. Like internationally, journos, they can't get in. Local journos are being killed in, at an unprecedented rate, You know, more than 40 to date. So whatever claims being made by IDF or Hamas, it's really hard to fact check. Um, and information abuse as a tool of war becomes a really big problem.
1: And reported cyber crimes are up 23% on last year, according to new stats from the Australian Signals Directorate. That's one cyber crime reported every six minutes in Australia, by the way. Extortion attempts are up 8% in the last year. And the Signals Directorate say that more than 2,000 people suffered an average financial loss of $39,000 through compromised business emails.
0: And Matilda's is Australia's 2023 Word of the Year. So each year, the Australian National Dictionary Centre at the Australian National University chooses a word that has gained popularity in the national landscape over the past 12 months. And after their mega semi-final run at the Women's World Cup and their soaring popularity, it's, Tom, not a huge surprise that Matilda's is the Word of the Year.
1: Yeah, and it's a fun word, Um like some of the other words, like stroll out was um, to do with the pandemic and vaccines, which is a lot less fun.
0: Yeah. And kind of, I don't think took off as much. That was the 2021 word of the Mm. year. Last year was teals, reflecting not that lovely colour, but the significance in politics. But um, I'm all for. I'm all for Matilda's, all for teals. Not so excited about stroll out.
1: All right. Katrina's up next to go deep on this High Court ruling on indefinite detention of asylum seekers and the threat posed by some of the people who've been released.
3: Now to our briefing topic on last week's landmark High Court ruling that's seen a number of asylum seekers who've been flagged for character concerns, including a hitman and a convicted child sex offender, released into the community. Professor Mary Crock has worked in immigration and refugee law for decades. She's a professor of public law at the Uni of Sydney and she joins us now. Mary, thank you for joining us on the briefing. I guess to understand what's happening in this moment, it's helpful to go back to 2004 to set the scene. So this all started with a High Court case involving a Kuwait-born Palestinian man who hadn't inherited Kuwaiti citizenship at birth. So how did this case change Australia's immigration detention policy?
2: The point about the case in 2004 is that the Parliament had established a system that was supposed to be automatic. If you get a visa, you could be free and you could remain in Australian society. If you didn't have a visa, you had to be detained and kept in detention until you were either given a visa or removed from Australia. And the stateless Palestinian man in 2004, Al-Khateb was his name, he applied for asylum. He was in detention. It was a time when detention was really fraught. And he actually got to the point of saying, right, I've had it. I'm throwing my hands up. I can't stand this anymore. Get me out of here. I consent to being removed. At that point, he could not be removed. There was no country who would take him. He, in fact, remains to this day in Australia. And it was that case that went to the High Court with the argument that the Australian Constitution does not permit the Minister for Immigration to detain someone effectively for the term of their natural life because the Minister won't give them a visa and they can't be removed from the country. And this is the issue that's now been re-litigated in the case that was decided last Wednesday. In 2004, a very narrow majority of the High Court, four out of the seven judges, ruled that they said, oh, you know, you can never say never. It's possible that we've had people like this before, and we've always been able to remove them. So you know, the constitution should allow for the minister to protect Australia effectively without the involvement of the courts. And that's the critical issue.
3: Wow. Okay. So for two decades then, governments could indefinitely detain refugees who they didn't want to give visas to because they had nowhere else to send them. So what happened last week?
2: So it's not just refugees. It covers really individuals who land in Australia but then can't be removed either because they're stateless and there is no other country that will take them or because they've done terrible things and if we send them back to the country that they've come from, we know for a fact that they will be executed, that they'll be killed. And Australia, we're party to a lot of international legal instruments, whereby we have undertaken not to send people back to a country where they're going to be executed. So this is actually one of the problems. So last Wednesday, to answer your question, we were faced with a stateless Rohingya man, came originally from Myanmar, from Burma, and he committed some uh, nasty crimes. He he, uh, is in fact a convicted pedophile. He did his time he went to jail. But what went to the High Court is the fact that this stateless man, he's done his time for the crime he committed. He's now faced with the situation of Australia being unable to remove him to any other country. We we read today that the Minister of Home Affairs tried at least six different countries and none of them would accept him. And so he is in the same position as Mr Al-Khateb back in 2004 but this time the case goes to the High Court and the High Court, after 20 years, this is not the first time that these issues have been litigated. The cases have come up again and again but it's the first time that a newly constituted High Court has been prepared to squarely address the issues in Al-Khateb's case. And those issues really come down to, very simply, the Australian Constitution says that only a court can punish individuals. And in Al-Khateb, this narrow majority of the court had said, oh, well, administrative detention doesn't constitute uh, punishment. It's just about protecting an individual as long as there's a possibility, remote possibility, that the detention will serve the purpose of getting the person out of of Australia. 20 years on, I think at least a majority, we're told at least a majority of the High Court have come to the view, looking at the cases over the last 20 years, looking at the case of this Rohingya man, they've come to the view that it really has reached a point where it's not acceptable To say that the Minister for Home Affairs, a politician, and or their department, just by an administrative action, can keep a person locked up for the term of their natural life, not because they've committed a crime, but simply because they are not citizens and there is no other country that will take them. And that is the central issue in this matter. It really does come down to can a politician can the executive by administrative action can they keep someone locked up for the term of their natural life now of course there's been an immediate reaction from various politicians not surprisingly perhaps but we have a criminal justice system in this country to keep us safe and i think what what the high court is saying in very simple terms is you've got to take these complicated cases away from the politicians put them back into the criminal justice system where a court can look at the issue of does this person pose a threat to the society have they committed a crime have they done their time and for all the hysteria that that is being whipped up for me that's the simple answer to these cases we've got a criminal justice system put them into the criminal justice system
3: All right. So what we know is these people who have been released or are being released into the community, they're being granted bridging visas. What happens next? Because if they're being denied permanent visas on character grounds, or at least some of them are, what happens to these people now? So
2: they are not being released willy nilly into the community. That's not what happens. In fact, Mr Al-Khateb lost his case in the High Court and pretty much straight after that, the government created a special bridging visa for him. So these individuals will all be released on the al khateb bridging visa. It's actually called a return pending visa and it can operate in perpetuity. But the point is that these people are not citizens They're still subject to the law in Australia and because they're not citizens, they can be very closely scrutinised. And again, there's a lot of hysteria around releasing these pretty awful people. There's no doubt about that. They are people we don't want to have in the country necessarily. But this is not a unique problem to Australia. You find this all over the world. What is unique in Australia is that we have been locking these people up for the term of their natural life. By the way, that's a policy that's cost the country an absolute fortune. But release on condition means that they can be very closely monitored. They can be put on condition that they attend offices of the home affairs, you know, every week, every day, who knows knows what. What I would like to see, and this is where I agree with all the commentators, we need some proper law around this. We need a system that actually brings the judiciary back into overseeing these difficult cases. I'd like to see it at the point of arrest and detention in the first place. It's how it always used to be. Uh, I, I'm getting old now. Back in the day, if you were uh, arrested as a, a suspected unlawful non-citizen, you had to be brought before a magistrate within 48 hours and then you had to be brought back every seven days until they worked out who you were and what your status was. And, and then you'd go into immigration detention for a longer term. But there were no wrongful arrests, which is what we, we've had with this automated system here. It's got a lot of problems, this system that we have. And a lot of it comes down to the fight that's that's gone on over decades between the courts and the government over immigration control. And... I think that's what, where we need to see a cessation of hostilities and a return to a sensible system where judges work with the politicians to work out who's a threat to society and how are we going to deal with it. We've got citizens who we keep in preventative detention for years and years because they pose a continuing threat to society. I think all the court's been saying, the High Court is saying in this latest case is Just because individuals are non-citizens should not put them in a separate category. Everyone should be treated the same way. If they're a threat, use the criminal justice system to control how how they're looked after.
3: So now we've, we've had this ruling, could it be the case that in the future with different people on the High Court bench that this could be overturned once again?
2: Well, that's a very interesting question. Technically, yes, indeed, but I actually think that what has happened here is that you've got judges of the High Court who have 20 years of looking at these cases. By last Wednesday, the average time that people in immigration detention had been held was 708 days. Now, that meant that there were people who'd been there for over 10 years. The young man at the centre of this case had been held for more than five years. That puts Australia in a very, well, almost unique category. No other country, no other Western country does this. Everyone has immigration detention. Everybody has a criminal justice detention system. Australia is almost unique in having a, a system that locks people up for the term of their natural life just essentially because they're not citizens. And that's what the High Court has said has got to end.
3: Yeah, time will tell. Professor Mary Crock, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. Thank you very much for inviting me.
2: Listener.